Have you heard the story of Thread Wallets? If you haven't, you should. And that's what you'll get to do on episode 16 today of the Marketing to Win podcast. I talk with Thread Wallets co-founder Mackenzie Bauer. And we talk about how Thread Wallets balances the difference between brand marketing and performance marketing, as well as what it took for them to identify, target, and win with their audience. Lots of good lessons here. Hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, welcome out to the Marketing to Win podcast. Uh, I'm stoked for today because uh, I get to talk with Mackenzie Bauer. I hope I said that right, Bauer, right? Yes, yeah. Um, great. I, one of these one of these days, I'm going to like introduce a guest and I'm just going to totally annihilate their name and they're going to be like, dude, you, you should have <laughs> taken at least <laughs> at least a moment to make sure you know who no, like, pronounced the name right. Um, who is the co-founder and CMO of Thread Wallets? So uh, you've... If you're into e-com and uh, especially like lifestyle brand stuff, you've likely seen them come up. You guys come up. So uh, Mackenzie, let's start this way. How about you go ahead and set the stage real quick, a little bit about you, your role at Thread Wallets and stuff uh, and what you guys do. And cool. then um, let's, let's hop into some of the marketing successes that you feel like, like you and your team have done like exceptionally, like extra well. Okay, awesome. Um, wow, it's hard for me to just like dive right in without any specific questions. My name is Mackenzie Bauer and back in 2015, I guess you could say 2014, my husband and I came up with the idea, but it was 2015 where we officially started our business called Thread Wallets. And we started it after my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, lost his wallet and was looking for a replacement. And he couldn't find anything minimalist, but also with personality and style. So we decided to create a better rubber band, basically, because he, when he'd lost his wallet, he grabbed a rubber band from a broccoli stem at the grocery store and threw it around his cards. So that's what he was using. And then when we met, we, um, he had the idea and I sewed some of the first prototypes and then, um, the rest is history there. And the rest is history with our relationship as well. I graduated with a degree in international cultural studies and peace building. So my emphasis and my, my thought process after graduating college was to go to law school, um, do mediation or arbitration. But I met my husband who's an entrepreneur at heart and, we're here now We're this is our sixth year in business, or I think we're in our seventh year, if I'm doing the math correctly, seventh year in business. We have 28 employees now. Um, we're based out of Provo, Utah. So just about 45 minutes south of Salt Lake City. And we sell minimalist, stylish, functional carry products. So first launched wallets, we've added lanyards and AirPod cases side bags, air, um, iPhone cases, lots of other wallet accessories. And yeah, it's really yeah. fun. It's come a long okay. way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so 28 now, and have you essentially been in charge of the marketing side of things since the start? Yes. Yep. We, my husband and I kind of chose what lanes we wanted to be in and I dove into the marketing and he kind of chose the operational managerial side of things. Yeah, and and based on your story too, it sounds like you sort of owned product early on. If you were sewing the first, maybe you just did it together, yeah. but you sewed the first prototype. So you probably had a Yeah, at the beginning we owned like everything, just him and I. I mean, we I did a lot of the sewing and I did the fulfillment and like all the shipping. 
all the customer service. And then my husband did most of the out, like outsourcing, figuring out, getting stuff over in China, um, communication with other businesses, website development. And now that we've hired other employees, we've been able to take off most of those hats and just focus on our core competencies. Okay. So, um, the size then of the marketing group now, how many are on your team? So there's myself, the CMO, and then on my team, I have a community manager, Avery, and she manages our um, affiliate program, our loyalty program, a lot of community outreach, helps with events. Um, we have an influencer manager, and she helps with influence marketing and our ambassador program. And then we have a content creator who manages our social channels. And then we work really closely with the creative team in, in our marketing efforts. So I work very closely. I would say we're on different teams, but the chief brand officer and his team underneath him, we all work really closely together in executing the ideas that we as a marketing team have. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is great. Maybe this will, I think this, and partially already answers my next question, but um, would you say that like at Thread Wallets, you guys lean a little more into like a focus of performance marketing or would you lean a little bit more like, are you, are you like, is your mentality more of like a brand? And when I look at these roles that you just outlined, it feels brand. Yeah. So, but I feel like in e-com, there's like two, two camps where we're like, you can either go heavy in on performance, you know, like, okay, I can spend this much on ads and I know what I'm going to get. And you like get really scientific mm -hmm. on like the direct purchase and attribution, or, you know, you're, you're a lot, you go more in on the storytelling and trying to prop that up. So kind of walk me through what, what you guys are at today with that. And then like what maybe early on kind of funneled you in that direction. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll start with your last question. Early on, what funneled us into the direction of choosing to focus on both, because we do, um, would probably be that we looked up to big companies like Stant Socks, Skull Candy Headphones, Neff Headwear, brands that had taken a singular product category and brought a ton of life and expression to it and built really credible and successful lifestyle brands. So as opposed to only focusing on just the metrics and our um, cost per acquisition, profit per order, all those things. We do a lot of um, branding initiatives, influencer marketing. Um, I mean, there's uh, events we do. I mean, events were canceled, but events are a big part of it. Billboards we're looking into. We do, we've done like print magazines. There's a lot of um, areas of marketing that we've spent money and time behind that don't have a direct ROI but I think that both benefit each other. So the statistic that I've heard over and over again is that it takes seven touch points with a brand before they'll purchase a product. So what we look at, we try to look at things holistically. So we have an ad agency that we work with that runs our um, marketing, paid marketing, paid advertising campaigns. And he is very granular. He's looking at all those like finite, like yeah. really granular um, pieces of data. And we make a lot of decisions based on that. I mean, although we're very brand conscious, uh, one of our mottos and things that we live by, by is to let data drive decisions. So if we're going to spend money on a brand effort, we've we've tested and know that, okay, this audience, this is where that audience is. This is where we 
assume that this audience is based on all this data that we have from other channels or other platforms, other like the research that we've done. So um, we have that and then we have the brand stuff that's really fun, but I think they just go hand in hand. Um, it's I think it's rare for someone to convert right off just one ad that they've seen. Usually it takes like, oh, I saw the ad and then I'm gonna ask my friend if they've tried the product and then I see him at a retail store and then I also saw him in this magazine that I read. Like there's so many different touch points bef before they actually say, I'm gonna put my money on this product. So we really try to look at it holistically and make sure that we're um, putting time and energy into both of those areas. Yeah, so with so many different, um, yeah, that, that's a lot of different channels, I think, to like tell your story. So when you get purchases and stuff, are you guys trying to measure the brand impact on those different channels that don't have like direct attribution? Yeah, yeah there's certain things that we do that we try as much as we can to see where there's lifts. Like we're trying to monitor what traffic's coming to our site when we have a dashboard that we've built out that is um, pretty darn robust in terms of the analytics we get. So really we're always trying to like uh, gauge those, the success of those efforts as often as we can. But um, some of the, what we've, what we've called them, and this is from a book that one of our executives has read, I believe it's like messy losses. And so what we've decided as a brand is there might be things that we spend money on that look complicated or it's, it's an event that we might not get anything back, but we're going to say this is a loss that took time and energy. We don't know if it made us any money, but we're willing to put it out there because of the brand exposure or because the connections that might come from it. And um, all of those efforts that we do are, we have a what we call a rationalization process. So any of those efforts are put before the executive team. Everyone votes on it. We go through it. We pick it apart. We talk about the pros, the cons. And then we make a uh, decision together so that everyone has um, buy-in for the idea. Yeah, I, I love that idea. I, it's, I think when, when I talk with folks, I, so I, as a role in my own role, it's um, marketing automation. So there's a lot of like very specific data. When people talk data, they, like, they think reports, they think yeah. databases. I think what what you just explained though is a database process but it's it's a lot it's um it's a large set of anecdotes right so like you have just a lot of people that are involved in like if if you're going to go down a process that you can't put like a straight number to yeah then maybe you're running it past the executive team you're running like the whole team's on board like you've you've thought through you've let essentially the data of experiences with all of your employees and executives determine whether or not it is worth it if you don't feel like you're going to be able to pull a report totally, to tell totally. you. And that's, that's why I think it's really important because you're going to have, at least on our executive team, we have people of all different backgrounds. We've got people who are really creative. We've got really pe um, people who are really analytical. And so combining those minds to make a better, um, the, the, the best educated decision that you can is really helpful because then you're not going into it just saying like, well, I hope this works, fingers crossed. Yeah. And you're the only one that's backing it. You have buy-in from all the executives and say, okay, like we're going to go for this. We're going to spend X amount. I mean, for right now, we're, we are just signed with a creative agency to put together a long form YouTube video for us to run ads. 
And we've never done that before. YouTube's a platform that we really want to get into. Mm -hmm. And it will be the single biggest expense that we've ever had besides purchase orders. And so it was like a lot, like for us as a growing company, like, wow, this is going to be really expensive. But we talked about it with the whole executive team. We went over pros and cons. We, um, you know, looked at past history of like what months performed the best for us over over the period of a year. So then we know, okay, let's try to launch this at this time period. So we're using data to help us drive those decisions, but you know, this could totally, it could totally flop, but at least we have everyone's buy-in, everyone's supportive of it. And we're just going to go for it and see if it works. Yeah. But something like those big things, you don't just shoot from the hip. Like, Yeah. (laughs) yeah, which, which, um, I mean, I'm on a really small team and when, um, uh, when you're on like a super small team trying to move fast, sometimes you end up doing that more often than you not. But which is why I think a lot of people do say like fail fast so that you can like iterate and and make changes quickly. Um, All right. Uh, I want to take, go back a little bit further still like early on. I mean, you, you listed out a bunch of channels. Talk about how you figured out the audience that you were reaching with those because obviously the idea came from a, out of your husband's scenario of losing his wallet. Yeah. But then you, you had to like take that story and then find the people to like connect it with. So yeah. what were you in charge of that? And like, what did you do to figure out who you wanted to target? And yeah, like, this, is, this is a really interesting question because when we started out, my husband, he is a really great wakeboarder. He skates. He's really um, talented on the snowboard as well. And so his dream of starting a lifestyle brand was very focused around action sports, male-focused, male-centered. Yeah. So when we started, that was his vision. And then here I am. All I know is girls and (laughs) I, you know, like, my friends were trendy and some were fashion bloggers or interested in that stuff. So that was the world I knew. So when I took over marketing efforts and was reaching out to people, I wasn't reaching out to the skaters and the surfers and the um, snowboarders. I was reaching out to Instagram influencers. And this is back in 2014, 2015. So this is really when Instagram was young, but we immediately noticed that that is who our product was like who was attracted to our product. So did we, you try reaching out to the others? Like, did you try going we, for the, yeah, we've ran ads to males and time and time again, it just does not perform like our female audience. Perform. Yeah. So over the years, it's been hard because my husband's like, we need to do this. Like, I really want to attract more males. And the data is just showing us that it is this 18 to 25 year old female West coast inspired um, on the go, but she loves her reality TV. Yeah. She's price conscious. Like, so anyway, over the years, we've just seen that that is who is using our product. I think that there's this specific need of for women who don't like carrying around purses. They don't like being bogged down. So they want something slim and minimal that they can be on the go with that isn't the alternative. Like I mentioned purses, et cetera. So we've really now just tried to focus our efforts on that category. We still show men in our advertising, like our Instagram, you'll see men there, you'll see um, surfers, skaters, but you'll also see um, a lot of females and they're 
that's yeah that's just where we focus our time we've we've really tried to bridge this gap between we saw companies like stance socks going with like the rihanna's and the john john florence's of the world like these really big professional top tier athletes performers artists and then you see brands that are starting out and they don't know who their brand voice is and they're kind of like in this amateur like figuring it out and that's totally where we started as well yeah where we are now and where we want to live is in this middle ground where we can relate to both the person starting out and learning how to surf or skate or whatever it is and then we can also attract this more elite audience i guess too because we can relate to them so we've just done a lot of testing over the years and a lot of customer research when it comes to surveying our customers and what their psychographics are and diving into Google analytics, et cetera. So back to what I was saying earlier about letting data drive the decisions you make, that's, that's where we're at now with that. Yeah, that's cool. How quickly did you feel like it took you to like get to the point where like, yeah, this is our demographic that 18 to 25, like, could you just tell from like those early conversations with, like the DMs that it was like, oh, this is where we're going to hit? Or did you have to get a little more sophisticated before you realized like how you were going to position things and stuff? Yeah, you know what? I feel like, and this is going to sound super cocky, but <laughs> I feel like I knew from the get-go that that's where it was going to go. I just saw the way that like, and I, well, I think it was my interaction with the product itself. Like my husband was like, this is kind of stupid. It's like so simple. And I was like, I love this. Like I hate carrying around purses. Girls pockets are never deep enough to carry around wallets. So like, I love the functionality of this product. And so I think the fact that I fell in love with it and I saw so many boutiques wanting it and like women centric boutiques. And then also just women were buying, like women were, yeah. the ones that were buying. So early on, I was like, this is where it's going to go. So my husband and I had discussion after discussion where I was like, I think we just like need to focus on the female. Like, what if we were just like the female, like skate brand or surf brand, like we can tie in your love of action sports and stuff, but we just focused on the female. And we've, I think we've kind of found this balance where we've also learned that the females are the one buying it but a lot of times they might buy it for their boyfriend or their brother or their dad so having content that also speaks to males is important or designs but for the most part it is females and I think that I saw that early on like just to answer your question right now it's long-winded but yeah I think I saw that early on based off of my interaction with the product and the responses that I saw from influencers and friends and boutiques etc yeah which must have been nice because there's people that dump loads of money into research and market reports, right? To figure out like who it's going to hit with. And yeah. um, then there's stories like this where you just like, like it's obviously clear who, who this was designed to be for, which it sounds like was pretty tough for your husband to take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really has been a learning experience. And I think that he finally, I mean, honestly, within probably the last six months, we had a discussion as an executive team again, where we said, okay, over the years, we've run numerous ad campaigns to try to get more men to opt into the brand, to buy the product, but they just do not convert like our females. And so we were like, okay, like, let's just, we're going to just buckle down on female. And we know that's where the money is. Instead of trying to chase money elsewhere and make it work, like try to make it work. We know what works. So let's just keep going deep there. And I think that it was like, it, it's taken a while, but I think for the most part, it's like, okay, this is what is like where we need to be with the brand. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, maybe to, to wrap things up, 
would is there something that you feel like in your marketing specifically that <clears throat> you and your team have been able to do better than maybe I don't know what the competitive landscape is like for you guys. So like, has there been something within your marketing you feel like you've been able to execute maybe better than others or that has just helped the brand stand out? Yeah, I think honestly, it comes back to the problem that we were trying to solve in the, in the beginning. Uh, there were not any fun, expressive minimalist wallets on the market. And we said, okay, the solution to that is going to be Fred wallets. We are going to be expressive carry products and we're going to focus on that and make that our core competency and um yeah i just i'm kind of sorry i kind of just got distracted and lost track of what your specific question was just what um if there were things that you feel like you and your marketing team, oh, marketing team yeah you know. i think honestly just sticking with that narrative like this is what we're going to excel at like this is we're going to be the best at like really cool designs and really cool patterns and we're going to focus on expression and we aren't going to forget about the function the functionality and the elements that um make a thread wallet what it is but just the story behind it there's no I truly say think that there's no other brand out there like us, like that selling the products we are, they're really simple products, but people love them. Yeah. I mean, we've been able to grow to an eight figure company off of these small products. Like our AOV is under 35 bucks. Yeah. And so it's, it's pretty remarkable that we've been able to do that and remain profitable. And I think it's because we've focused on this niche We've um, crushed it with the designs. We know who our audience is and we know how to tell, our marketing team knows how to tell fun stories that people connect to. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's end on this question. Maybe some advice for maybe the people starting out or maybe markers that feel like they haven't, um, they don't, they they don't have the skills on like figuring out who their audience is. How would you suggest either startups or marketers who are trying to figure out what their niche is? Like what, what should they be thinking about in identifying the audience that hits? Like how should they go about finding that? Um, we just surveyed a small group of our most, like when we, we did a customer, custom, customer profile survey and we surveyed some of our top most loyal engaged customers. And from what I've heard, I don't even remember where I heard this number, but um, if you're doing a survey to assume that the data is pretty accurate, I think you need like around 300 people. Yeah. That's what I've heard. And so you don't need, I mean, for some people just starting out 300 might seem super overbearing, like, like a ton, but um, you don't need thousands of people to get data about who wants to buy your product and who's interested in it. So we sent out this customer profile survey with information, asking for information in regards to where they live, what's their income, what's their marital status, what are their psychographics, like what music do they like, where do they like to shop, um, all these different questions that helped us figure out just, yeah, build, build a persona for our, our brand. And then we compared those with other platforms of analytics that we have. So Google Analytics, Facebook, there's analytics there when we're running ads, 
email marketing analytics, Instagram analytics. There were all these different things. And then we could compare them and say, okay, this is interesting because our customers are saying this, but this looks a little different over here. Why is that? What's going on here? Or wow, this is spot on. Google analytics is telling us that one of the number one interests of our customer is pet. And, you know, we're also seeing that with the survey that we sent out, one of their biggest interests is pet from what our customers. So then that helps guide decisions like, okay, maybe we do a, I mean, we haven't done like a dog collection or anything, but you know, maybe it's like, oh, they really are interested in pets. So maybe like just some of our content now has dogs in it or like ads or Instagram posts or stories, or we do a blog post with you know, or we know that National Puppy Day is coming up, like maybe we do something, a fun giveaway with another dog brand for that. I don't know what it is, but I think you just really, um, young founders, there's two pieces of advice that I get that are kind of conflicting and, or that I would give that are kind of conflicting. One is to throw a lot at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And that's kind of goes, um, is counterintuitive to the thing the idea of keeping things as simple and lean and um uncomplex if that i don't know what the word for that would be right off the top of my head but just as simple as possible so you're wanting to try and do so many different things to see what sticks but then also just keep things really simple so when it comes to figuring out who your customer is um just try to keep things simple and i mean for us for a while, it was going to a farmer's market and just interacting with people and noticing, okay, again, girls are buying this more or, okay, people are really conscious about the price of this item. So we're selling it at $17. Maybe that means we should change it to 15 or how are we going to help our customer convert more? Is that a lower price point going to help? So, um, yeah, I don't think you need to overcomplicate things, keep things simple, but then don't be afraid to try and fail. It kind of goes back to what we started out talking about at the beginning. Um, don't be afraid to fail fast and just, um, you've got those messy losses. And I think especially as a young company, you can afford to, um, I mean, hopefully, I mean, if you have tons of backing and stuff, maybe you can't afford to make up, make it yeah. messy losses. But I think that it's really important to um, just learn and fail and pick yourself back up and keep learning. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think you can do both in the sense of like, as long as what everything you're throwing at the wall is simple, yeah, then, totally. then you do what, then you do what you're saying. Awesome. I think there's been a ton of great stuff in this conversation that people learning really to like figure out. Because um, it's easy as especially like marketers that are just fulfilling roles. I think it's easy for us to get like cotton channels. Yeah. And, and we forget about the audience. Um, easier than we'd like to admit. So I think there's a lot of lessons here to learn. So thank you. Thank you for the time. Um, Everybody check Mackenzie out on LinkedIn. She always shares a bunch of her stories of what's going on with the brand, which are are really fascinating. So connect with her and, um, and, and thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.